Hey friends, business cards have been around for centuries. They're a staple of every business, socialite, student, designer, and everyone in between. But with networking sites like LinkedIn, Instagram, and other ways to connect digitally, business cards have transitioned from a requirement to a statement piece. A good-looking business card is a perfect chance to show off and ensure you're leaving the impression you want with your audience. Paper stocks, custom die cuts, and painted edges are just a few ways that Jack Prince helps you create a great first and lasting impression. With so many different options, so many different ways to customize, designing your business card, it's going to be more fun than ever, and it's going to feel better than ever when you pull one out of your bag and hand it over to your next potential client, customer, or business associate. Get started on your custom, unique business card today from Jack Prince. Go to jackprince.com slash circle of trust to save on creating your next business card masterpiece. You're listening to the AID Network. Good morning, fellow Avengers. Now, we could just like, hey, here's part of the episode where we don't spill anything, but fuck that. We got to get into it. We got to get into it deep, right, Sean? Yeah, because I don't think you could um, even do it without spoiling it. You couldn't do it justice anyway. No. no, Yeah, it was cool. (laughs) So here's the warning. Don't go beyond this second if you haven't already seen Avengers Endgame and all of the other phase one through four movies, because we're going to spoil them all. Even Spider-Man. What's that one? Spider-Man Far From Home? Oh, yes, the new one. Yeah, I have have the script right in front of me. We're going to talk all about some of the mistakes they're making. I'm excited. You have been warned. Do not complain. Save this and break the glass for your drive home from Endgame. But if you've already seen it, let's get started right now. Mm -mm. Woo, woo, woo. Oh, a live one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We caught a live one. gentlemen welcome to comment below's official in-game party sean moore we've been on this wild road for 10 plus years are you ready to say goodbye to the marvel cinematic universe as we know it oh yeah it's gonna be a sweet goodbye what a treat what a journey we've been on and what a treat what a sweet sweet treat the ending was look i know a lot of times on the review shows i can be quite cynical and i can find things that irritate me like audience members this one was a full-on three-hour run three-hour run and here's i'm going to start the movie review with the ending three plus hours once you put the trailers in there 
my audience, we were sitting in the, the theater for three and a half hours. Yes. Not one fucking human being got up until the lights came on. That means nobody was worried about the bathroom. Nobody was worried about getting on with their day because the film started at 8.45 a.m. Like they had everybody waiting to see what Easter egg would be planted at the very end. Like that is an amazing crowd control. It's hard in this world to keep people a minute into your YouTube video. God knows I've tried. They had everybody yeah. for three and a half hours glued to their seat. So I've seen it twice now. So I have two different experiences. So my first experience was a Wednesday night um, double bill. So I saw Infinity War and then I saw like, so it was a 9 p.m. Infinity War and then a midnight um, endgame. Yeah. And that audience was amazing like you say there wasn't a dry eye in the house there wasn't a um there wasn't like a seat unfilled it was completely sold out and everybody stayed there Fans. and then i saw it sunday morning yes so it's sunday morning and that was even though it was sold out and even though it was fans it was a more casual fan and it was a um there were a lot of younger kids there because obviously no kids are going to a midnight screening so right. there a lot of kids there so there's a lot of talking a lot of shouting a lot of kind of messing around and then there was a lot of bathroom breaks and also there was like a mass exodus at the at the beginning of the credits as well mass do you think exodus. that that's because those people knew they had checked the internet and said there's not anything to see at the end that's a really good point. I, I can't imagine that they would because why would they? I don't know. I, that seems like a weird thing to search the internet for. But um, I just think maybe it was an audience that weren't expecting it and weren't as bothered, like a little bit more casual, like wanted to see what was um, what all the hype was about, maybe. Speaking of the hype, record-breaking uh, box office, currently speaking, yeah. $1.2 billion worldwide. And it's early here in America. It's Sunday morning on the West Coast. So there's still a whole other day of U.S. earning. I, I would think, though, that probably by now, you know, the hardest of hardcore have seen it. Folks like you have already seen it a, a second time around. You know, last weekend was kind of the perfect storm for me. I was at home recovering from my, my surgery. And I looked and I said, you know what? Fuck watching anything on Wednesday because my vision is zero. But starting Thursday, yeah. I'm going to watch the first Avengers film. And then Friday, I'll watch Age of Ultron. Saturday, I will do Civil War. And Sunday, I'll wrap up my four-day marathon with Infinity War. And unlike you, I don't go back and watch these movies over and over again on VOD yeah. or, or, or Blu-ray or streaming. So... A lot of these films, I would say, other than the original Avengers movie, which Avengers was the end of phase two in the Marvel Universe. Phase one, I think. End of phase one? Yeah, I think so. I knew that it was the, the big ending for one of them. Let me check real quick here. I got it in front of yeah, me. You might be yeah, right. You're right. No, it was the end of phase one. I had seen that before. I don't know if I'd ever sit down and watched it in its con complete run, but I've walked right. into the room and seen, seen bits and pieces of it. But the other three films, I had really only ever seen them at the theater, like one and yeah. done. And to journey through that 10 hours with all those characters, I, I wrote you a text message and I want to have this conversation at the end of today's recording, but I'm starting to wonder if the Avengers franchise alone, the Avengers movies, I'm starting to wonder if for me that is more powerful and there's more connective tissue than Star Wars, pound for pound. I mean, they've 
they've done an unbelievable trick in that like over 11 years they've made us care about these characters so much and then Star yeah. Wars you know there's been a lot of gaps but Star Wars has a 30 year head start on them and, right um but yeah it, it I just I, c- I cannot believe how much I care about these characters and it's quite manipulative in that way but like just every single character you know bar maybe a couple I was just like so invested in it and it's just it's testament to everything. Like, I did not know that, you know, we, me and Ruth went to see Iron Man, the original Iron Man, 2008, opening day, where we lived in Newcastle. We went to the, to the cinema and we went to see it opening day and we did not know that we were going to be on this incredible journey that basically ended today for me and Ruth. Yeah. And it's just like, it's absolutely unbelievable to think that they've done what they've done. But you, I can see why you would feel that way. I really can. And also you're not like, like you say, you're not super invested in every single movie in the way that other people are as well. But this core Avengers group, like they're, they're our Avengers, aren't they? They really are. And there's such a great pacing to all of these movies. Like I think the big success of, of Marvel looking at it from an artistic point of view is 22 movies. Very, very yeah. few of them are clunkers. More of them you're you're extremely passionate about than than not, and when you look at this film, and I'm going to consider this the fifth Avengers film because Civil War was pretty much an Avengers movie, which was yeah pretty rad that they snuck that in there like that. But when you look at these five films, and you look at their their pacing and and the the weight of of each one of them, and the and the way that it goes through, and the way that there's not a lot of downtime, and there's not a lot of ideas that just feel like loose threads that never got tied into anywhere else. Like minute by minute, it's a pretty masterful body of popcorn cinema. You know what I mean? Like for big movies, big reactions. You know, I mean, I I know this is an art piece, but for that kind of movie, they really raised the bar. Um, fun side note: twenty two movies. Tony Stark was. 22 days in space. I love all the little tie-ins like that. And this was a movie for the fans because there, it just, it was so self-aware. It was so meta at moments and it really rewarded you for being on that journey. And like you said, 10 years ago, and I, I caught the, that first Iron Man movie last 11. night on 11. 11. Yeah. 2008. Yeah. I caught that first Iron Man movie on TV last night, right before I was going to bed. And I thought, man, this has gone so far from Tony Stark fighting, you know, terrorists in the desert to fighting other planets and, and going yeah. through space. And I, I, I watched a little bit of it just to see, and that movie still looks good. Like it, it, it yeah. still holds up, but man, oh man, I, it just made me think of the journey that we had been on, which I have a crazy yeah. theory about. I'd like to, to, to drop in your lap. Well, no, I'm, I'm ready to hear it. Is it possible? Is it possible that everything that we saw other than the first five minutes of the movie was Tony Stark's dream and he actually did die in that ship? (laughs) I mean, I really hope not. Like that would be the cheapest, (laughs) the cheapest trick ever. Really, I really do hope, hope not. It's quite a weird specific <laughs> dream that, like dreaming about how, how <laughs> Natasha and Clint fight on the top of a cliff and stuff. It's a little bit too specific. But um, yeah, that's quite an interesting one. As, as theories go, and there are quite a lot of them bounding around, as theories go, this is that's definitely one of the crazier ones. That's a hot Jesus, take. That's where a did you get take. that from? Oh, it's the hottest of all the takes. So um, are we going to do our rankings now or do you want to do them at the end? 
Oh, you've got rankings would of you, the movies? No, I don't. But I'm just saying, where do where would you rank this? Like, would you would you think it's the um, out of the Avengers movies or out of the the, the 22 movies? Yeah, any whichever you whichever you feel is best. You know, if you don't feel um, equipped to 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 contextualize them all, then say out of the five. Then, but if not, then then go 22. I'm I'm going to go right now and just say the way that I'm feeling this moment. And the way that I watch this movie, and I have a list of moments that I'd like to just kind of reminisce about from this film. Yeah, of course. This was the Same. most I was ever emotionally invested. This was yep. sometimes the hardest I'd ever laughed. And this was the hardest I'd ever cheered out loud, losing my cool guy uh, outside skeleton and yeah. my cool guy exterior and being like, yes, like literally like yeah. audibly like clapping and like being in it with the people that I was sitting next to. This is my favorite movie. This is my favorite movie. I mean, as of today, because I'm still high on it, this is my favorite movie. Ask me again in six months, but right now it's my favorite movie. This one's number one and Black Panther's number two. Yeah, because Doctor (laughs) Strange... You're a dick. Because Doctor Strange Two is out next year, so you know you've got you've got. Oh, that to I mean, so. that, whoop, put another one on number one. They just keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's like a just a, a huge like whatever it's called, like a a, a double 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 that they do it um, in and out. Just keep layering on top. Um, Real I, quick, I would so say I, this though, Sean. No, go. That this movie made weaker movies contextualized and stronger. For example, there was way more mentions of Age of Ultron in this, and it actually yeah. made Age of Ultron a better movie. And I think that that says a lot about the power of the writing and how they really like, they, they've worked very hard to take all the loose threads and tie them up in this amazing sequence of moments and experiences. Very hard thing to pull off. So of all of these, um, like, you know, talking about those kind of moments, they, they pulled off that trick. And Ultron, it, it's a strange one because I don't think that they made like For the Dark World better. Because it actually exposes Thor the Dark World's flaws because Thor's mum isn't really a character in that movie. She's just kind of a bit of a cipher. And they they make it stronger in a way because if I watch Thor the Dark World again, I will think about his relationship with his mother now. And I'll think about that. But Ultron's weird because... Really, like even though there are a lot of references to Ultron, the main reference is... the, The main thing that I took away from Ultron with this movie is the best scene in Ultron anyway. You know, it's the party scene. Yeah. where they're all hanging around and they're all <laughs> dicking about with the hammer. And yeah. that's the best scene anyway. So it's like, so it doesn't necessarily make that movie better for me, but it, I, what it does is it just, it makes me think of Ultron as a better movie. But I think when I watch Ultron, I'll be like, oh no, it's still a kind of an average movie. But that party scene is like up there all time, maybe all time best scene in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That that sums up the MCU for me. For I, me I, though. I don't know. For me, it made Ultron better in that you see Tony Stark, like the way, I mean, because he's one of, he's a flashy rich guy, right? And he's, he's, he's a dick. He's not a likable character at all. No, he's a dick. But in Age of Ultron, you really, you know, because there's been an overgoing theme of like Tony Stark gets in these big battles. He can't sleep. Like, yeah, he, he has yeah. a, it all rest heavily on his shoulders yes. and in Ultron you see that vision of the world sort of dying and that scares him yeah the broken shield yeah and in this and in this movie you know he says I was basically trying to work on something to save us from getting to this moment and everybody got yeah. in my fucking way including himself I mean he, he's pretty pretty um pretty honest about that aspect of it yeah he, he doesn't 
tend to generally see his own flaws, but he, he, you know, he knows that he failed and, but his, his answer is to kind of blame other people with it. Like I, they, they've done a very good job of making Tony really unlikable and he seems to be on the wrong side of everything, but they really, they really kind of um, made him so vulnerable in this movie yeah. that um, you couldn't help but, but feel for him. You really couldn't. Um, so I, I'm going to, give you my ranking okay um, i haven't really thought about like specifics about how they go I, I i wouldn't for me say it's the best marvel movie i would say it's the most marvel movie is what i would say oh that's an like, accurate description what would you say is yeah. the best just to give people at home a, a sort of a barometer of your taste for me it it's guardians and winter soldier still I, those happy from from the beginning winter soldier i i'm not completely in love with i think it's on the better side i think it's on the top 11 um but guardians is is in my top three top five for sure and i i think if i was a let's say that let's say that i I kept it in and i had a son i would (laughs) if i was trying to teach my son how to, to love star wars like i was raised to love star wars and i also took him to see guardians and he was like seven or eight i could understand how a seven or eight year old would find guardians as their identity versus trying to understand and decipher star wars because after all star wars we're at um eight movies and about four and a half of them are good yeah yeah and that's kind of if you if, if you're lucky as well yeah so <laughs> you know, some people would say two and a half <laughs> some people would say zero but so we're yeah it's true. So when I look at Guardians, that's a real identity. But I, I would like to know where you where you rank this one in. I it's top five for sure. Okay. okay. The, the, the problem is, is it's is it's hard to see it. Like it's like I say that the, the reason I say it's the most Marvel movie. It it, just, it doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like a, a best of, like almost like a, a a clip show of Marvel things. It's like it's a it's not fan service because I don't think that it's cheap. I don't think it, like it's really earned. But it just like. I, I'm finding it very hard to judge Infinity War and Endgame as separate movies because they don't exist without the other and they, they tonally um, are different, but they they work so well as one piece. But I also just think that it's the only movie in the entire um, 22 that that couldn't exist without the others. Do you know what I mean? You could probably watch them all independently and this one, like which is what I'd be interested in to hear from you, is things like Thor The Dark World and stuff like that, like... That's a fairly deep cut, that. Yeah. Like, because it's not a good movie. And, no. like, were you were you okay with all of that and and stuff? Like, the ancient one, I know. We saw Doctor Strange. I know we did. We saw it in, in the, like, in the Snicket and stuff like that. But still, it's like, if you've not seen that movie a couple of times, you might be like, oh, who's that bald chick? Like, what? Why why she why she got the eye of no, Animal kind of thing? I, so, Dark, uh, Thor Dark World, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. That's the one, yes. that's the one that I just, nah, I'm good. I just didn't go see well, that you're movie. you're right. I didn't go see that yeah. movie. And um, so having watched the four Avengers movies before this, I was I was really prepared. And I recognized the, the bald uh, lady from, I remember her in that big opening battle Strange. of Doctor Strange. So yeah. I felt really prepared. Although that being okay. said, That's good. if you hadn't seen the four Avengers movies and you just like, you know, if you just you know, uh, somebody you're dating and be like, Oh, go watch this with me. They'd be like, what in the fuck did I just step into? I'll say this though. In game was for sure foreplay. There's like excitement. There's like, Oh, this is going to happen. We're getting someplace. Oh, the bra just came off. I'm seeing new titties. Like in game was for <laughs> sure foreplay. 
But this movie was straight up fucking, and it was that kind of fucking when you're like, oh my God, we just slipped into making love, and I'm feeling the connection, and now I just want to yeah. be held. Oh my God, did I just cry after sex? Like, that's what this movie <laughs> is. Yeah, because what they did, they did a really good job in that, like, in, in Infinity War, it was very disparate. It was like, there were a lot of, like, kind of, oh, we're in space, oh, now we're here, and now we're here, and now we're in Wakanda, and, you know, and now we're in Scotland. And there was kind of a lot of pulling and, and throwing, and it was hard to kind of, it was a very energetic movie, but it was hard, you couldn't settle down, whereas this movie is just like, it's an hour of The Leftovers, and then it's an hour of Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah. And then it's an hour of Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's fucking like, it's just three acts. And it, it just like, it, so you have time to breathe so you can grieve. You can have fun. It's so fucking fun, that second bit. And then the third bit is just like an orgasm. It's just it, like you say, it's just fucking, you just, you can't believe it. Like, so I, I actually really do like this because it's also, you know, I don't care so much about Clint, um, but his wife, like, I, I've been in love with Linda Cardellini for how long? How many years? Like, 20 years now? She's got like, a pretty great career of popping up in all the right projects, but never really being so much a part of a project that you identify her as that character from Mad Men. Or a Mad... No. Yeah, Mad Men. Or that from, character yeah, from... Yeah, um, uh, Bloodline. Bloodline. Yeah, you know, she's like, she's always yeah. just in enough to be a part of really good projects, but never like the central character. Yeah, and I just, I don't, I don't know, just like hardcore crushing on her. So I think that makes me care about um, Clint a little bit more. And it's the same with like War Machine. But like I was saying it to Ruth, like Ruth was um, was like, oh, I missed, you know, I missed Peter, uh, Peter Parker, and, and I missed a couple of characters. And I was like, yeah, but you can't have Peter Parker in there. If you have your best of characters, if you have Peter and Black Panther and you have it that, then there's no room for it to breathe. Yeah. You need um, Rhodey because he's the shit guy you don't care about. So he gets less. Whereas you have to give Peter more lines and it has to be, it would be totally quite strange and you'd have to then spread it a lot thinner. So it was, it was great in that way. And it just, it was really good because you could focus in on these like small core of characters. And then Ruth was saying again, she was like, well, I really miss the guardians in this movie. And I really miss like Peter Parker and stuff. I was like, but I was like, but I judge infinity war and Endgame as one movie. I was like, so we got a shitload of the guardians at the beginning. Right. And we got a load of Peter at the beginning, but we just didn't get so much in the middle. And we got a little bit at the end as well. So I was like, they all kind of got the due and the people who got the due more were the two people you wanted to have the Jew, which was Cap and Iron Man, and they're the two, and, and Thor, to yeah. a certain extent, but he's comedy Thor now, so it's a little bit different. Like, he's not going away. He is here to stay. Here's what was great about it, is you got most of the people that you're not going to get anymore. And... The future exactly. belongs to Black Panther. The future belongs to the Guardians. So those people that we're going to have a lot more screen time with and that we'll probably be teary-eyed saying goodbye to them in eight years, this was yeah. their moment to sort of play bass, let the legends come out, do their thing, exactly. shred on their solos, and then peace, we're out of here. I did have two major bones of contention with this movie. Okay, I'm ready. I don't like Captain Marvel's haircut. Um, I I didn't like her short hair because she's like this 
she's like the most powerful, maybe the most powerful Avenger. And it's rad that that position is taken by a woman. And then they give her a, a not so feminine haircut. I didn't like that, but just to prove to you that I'm always sexy and never sexist. I also don't like CrossFit Hawkeye. I don't like the bad <laughs> sleeve that he has. I don't yeah. like the faux Hawk and I definitely don't like the double chin. Jeremy do a couple push-ups. It wouldn't fucking hurt you. When did he have time to get that haircut? It just seemed as though he went like, he's, his family got dusted and then he went killing a load of people and he's like, right, I'm going to get a badass haircut now. It's like you'd think that he just like went straight from dusted to killing, but it's just like, yeah, he's got a look now. I, I wasn't into that at all. I just think that it's such a fucking gross haircut. It's like, it's just so unfinished, that haircut. This is what I don't understand about it. It's just like, you've concentrated so much on the sides that it's just like, oh, just just finish it. Just finish it. Just give them 10 more minutes, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I never understand it when I see anybody with that. And Dan Colkin's got a bit of that hair. Dan uh, bounces haircut. around. A little bit. He, he bounces around. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's, not, it's not anywhere near as extreme. But still, no. just, every time I see it, I just think, bro, bro, what are you doing? But yeah, I um, yeah, wasn't into that, definitely. I agree. I, I, I felt less offended by, um, uh, by Captain Marvel's hair, though. Sean, 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 here's my question for you. Do you think his haircut looks incomplete because he was getting a drug kingpin that also cuts hair for a living <laughs> and he let him shave the sides and then he fucking murdered him and just jumped right out of the seat and then murdered everybody else in the barbershop because he is on a murder in rage right now. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense, actually. I hadn't thought about it like that, but hairdressers are badasses, so that's uh, completely understandable. Okay, <laughs> you before know. we get into uh, my moments of... of, okay. of of in-game. I want to give, we have a new sponsor on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Audi, the official car of in-game. That's right. <laughs> it really is. Whether you need to load up with your friends to go out to the countryside and talk your buddy into time travel, or whether you need to show up and say, I now agree to time travel, you can always do it in an Audi. Audi gives you diverse um, mini SUVs and sports cars, as we saw in in-game. So shout out to Audi, the official car of in-game. All right, here's my list of moments that I have for you. You, Sean. Vorsprung Dirk Technique. What was that? Vorsprung Dirk Technique. That's the Audi uh the the Audi logo there, the the, the motto. So you there you it. go. I, I can get in on the action. Okay. This is just a list of moments that I wrote down, like things that really stuck out to me. They're in no particular order. They're not ranked. Um but okay. these are just the moments that I that really when I thought back about the movie high these, points. High points. Or fun points, you okay. know, just just fun observations. Um Okay. So I love when they create their own loopholes and, and save themselves for the future. So one of the moments that I really, really like was like, oh, that's so clever, is I love when the Tesseract slides over to Loki and Loki's yeah. just like, oh, there it is right at my feet. This is my way out of here. And boom, he's just out of the scene. Like, I just thought that that was such a fun, quick little moment that can open up so much more potential either in the Loki streaming show on Disney plus or future films, future guardians films. Like I just love that they took that one little minute and like we brought this guy back and, and really part of my problem with in game, as I said, these deaths mean nothing to me because there are really no consequences. Infinity War. Uh, yeah. Infinity war. There really are no consequences with any of these deaths and Loki and Gamora were the two that I thought, well, Maybe those are real deaths, and now we know that they're not for yeah. moving forward. So, But I did enjoy that moment. Yeah, I mean, Loki's an interesting one because I was almost ready for him to be done anyway, and then and now he's, he's kind of back, and I'm a little bit 
like I, I loved him as a character, but I really liked him as a side character. I wasn't really in, into him. I don't know whether I'm going to like him as a main character. Do you know, he's got this TV she- series and is he going to, is it going to hold together well when he's the main guy? Cause he was, he's good as that kind of the comic foil or the kind of the right. guy that cuts through every now and again. So it's, it's interesting because I didn't want to say goodbye to him, but it, I, I felt like we were ready to as well. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, he's never been my favorite part, but he does play such a great villain and he's yeah. a good spice. I, I, you know, a Loki series where he goes through history and sort of like, he's basically the Forrest Gump in world events. Like yeah. that's a little bit weird, but, um, it, I don't know. It would be a shame not to have him to be able to use. So it was, it was a fun moment. Also in that same yeah. part of the film, I complained a lot at the end of black Panther about the fight with two guys, one suit. I didn't yeah, like yeah, in black yeah. Panther. Whereas, you know, one of the main epic conclusions was the two guys fighting in one suit. However, two Captain Americas fighting in the middle of a movie, it was actually quite fun because it literally was the same guy fighting himself. And it was fun because the stakes weren't as high and it wasn't the conclusion. So that gimmick can work sometimes. I just don't want that to be what I'm, I don't want that to be the big payoff after two and a half yeah. hours of sitting in a seat. Yeah. Well, they've done that a lot as well. You know, the first Iron Man was two people fighting in an Iron Man suit. And then the second Iron Man was two people fighting in an Iron Man suit. It's only so <laughs> far that you can go with these things without it becoming tedious. So I agree, but this wasn't that this was a different thing. It was light and breezy. They got the kind of the reference, the, uh, I could do this all day. That, that whole kind yeah. of, um, 2012 um, kind of bit. It had so many good things in there, like the elevator scene from Winter Soldier was in there yeah. and, and stuff like that. And they just like they just kept them coming and kept them coming. And I really, oh, it was such a strong part. It was that felt like the most fan servicey part of it because they just kept jumping backwards and forwards and seeing like the Guardians bit. But oh man, yeah, I was really into that really into it well it's funny that you say that because one of the other things on my list was i love the back to the future moments where you know in back to the future the the movie franchise you see you know him sort of marty goes back in and he doesn't want to affect things and he's kind of they're shooting a movie around a movie that it already exists and i thought that as that could come off like a clip show yeah. you know which the simpsons have done a good job of and family guy has done a good job of being self-realized when they make fun of their own clip shows, but they did a really good job of kind of working around the existing body of content, adding a little bit more to it, taking fans to these moments that you actually love. And, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, even when Ant-Man shows up and says, I've got this idea and he tries to explain it. And they're like, so your solution is back to the future. Like yeah. they even were self-aware and gave a nod to what they were doing. So I just thought that all of that was, was really well played and, and, I think that the big mistake that a lot of artists make in all budgets and all scales of careers is it always helps to let people know that you're aware of the source material that you're referencing. Because yeah. if you let people know that it's a cover or it's an homage to, then people understand that you're aware of it. The worst thing you can do is act like it's not happening yeah. and try to forge forward like it's your own idea, like it's an original concept that came to you, and then people will end up resenting you and hating you. So it just really goes to show, whereas DC kind of can't get it together, it almost seems as this camp can't lose. Yeah, well, but like DC is weird because like they have Gotham, they have all these fictional cities, and then Shazam was filmed in Philadelphia. Whereas with this one, they reference things that we would reference, and I just love that. Like the the, yes. the best one, the best one for me was um, was um, Tony calling Thor Lebowski, and it's like it's great because. Um, 
Jeff Bridges was the baddie in the first Iron Man and he's Lebowski. And I just think that that's so fucking amazing. Like, and I'm sure that they didn't think of all of those steps, but like the fact that they're making those, that reference from like Bridges to Lebowski to, um, to Obadiah, Obadiah Stane is just like, is so good. I just think that they've, uh, I just think it's really funny. And again, it, it helps to make you feel like you're special. It makes you feel as though, oh, I get this reference. I get this reference. And I think, uh, oh, and this is cool and stuff. But like everybody gets it. It's not like, um, I don't know. You feel like you're in this like little secret club to a certain extent. And it's just, I don't know. They, they do a really good job with that. I thought that Fat Thor was very funny. It was it was interesting to see one of our heroes kind of yeah, yeah. give up a little bit. And and much like we talked about earlier about like the weight of all this on Tony Stark, you see that Thor is a guy that mm-hmm. doesn't handle losing well. And when he grabs the headset and goes after the <laughs> Fortnite player that that they that he and his little crew just can't stand. It was such a fun moment of you never know who's on yeah. the other side of that headset. And it also goes to show that a needling smart ass 13 year old can get under the world's skin even a guy that can fight giant bug monsters from out of space um sturgeon man fabricate wrote in and said curious to hear your opinion on fat thor i'm all for body diversity and i understand the grieving but it felt a bit clumsy for me to to pay it for laughs it also was a bit weird in the end fight i mean when that was happening i started to think have they crossed the line where you're making fun of a guy for being fat? Cause really in today's world, like comedy, yeah. comedy rests on, on picking on something. And in a world where we're not allowed to pick on anything, I was like, man, this could really yeah. ruffle some feathers to me. I just went with it. It's a guy who's incredibly fit, acting like he kind of gave up. And I think it's way more about his solo journey than making fun of people that have a beer gut. I think it's a, the fall from greatness is what they're making fun of, not people in the audience that maybe have a gut on them. Yeah, they, they told the line. I think that there are a couple of jokes that, that shouldn't necessarily be there and they go a little bit too far. And you know what? If I was a fan... Like uh, when Rocket tells him it looks like melted ice cream <laughs> exactly that's not funny i'm totally not laughing at that it's uh it's <laughs> yeah i couldn't even get it out without laughing it's like it just and you know what if i was a fat person if i was fat i wouldn't like it as much but i just like i would no I mean, yeah maybe i would or maybe i would but I, I understand i do understand the body shaming thing and, and and it's a shame that he's like he's let himself go and he's done these things but it's just I don't know. It's totally in character for him. And, you know, it got to the point where, you know, he, he overcome it and he was still a big guy, but he was still just as powerful as he was. And it was, it was absolutely fine now. Um, do I want him to be like that all the way through every other movie now as Guardians of the Galaxy can be, he, he needs to go back to normal Thor, I guess now. But um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I thought it gave a very human edge to Thor and it, it made me realize that, you know, that anybody can fall from fall from grace. And I think that it, it you know, you, you summarized chapter one as we were in the leftovers for an yeah. hour and it really showed the weight of like, imagine having the stress on your shoulders that you are by proxy responsible for half of the population going. Yeah. I, like, you're right. It, 
it's not a lot to say that you might kind of give up on things and say, what's the fucking point of putting this dumb suit on and going out there and doing something? So I think it was way more about his journey than the person at home's journey. And it sort of showed that you already mentioned one of my other moments when he's in the, the, the spacecraft there with Peter Quill. And he says, <laughs> as guardians of the galaxy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that's a comic book that exists if you're into that world. But for somebody who just heard that for the very first time, I damn near fell out of my chair laughing. Yeah, it was good. That was a really nice moment moment that like those two that kind of juxtaposition and it just makes me want more of those uh, of those moments now and it feels like we're probably going to get those and bring it on as guardians of the galaxy or guardians of the galaxy chapter three that to me is my most anticipated thing on the marvel horizon the Black Widow like that's prequel. W- <laughs> wait what what the fuck is that about what is that about I don't know. we'll talk about that in a bit yeah uh i tell you another thing that i absolutely loved was one, finding Bruce Banner and the Hulk, finding peace within himself. Yeah. On the opposite side of Thor's falling apart, you see another character go the other way. And really, trauma has a way of holding some people back, but then pushing other people forward. So it was interesting that Thor decided to become a victim, but Bruce Banner, who had always felt victimized, decided to find peace. And social media-friendly Hulk, where he does the the selfie with the <laughs> Say kids. Green. Say green. <laughs> Looking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so good and and along with that same thinking hulk and rocket sit in the back of that pickup truck yeah. going to going to asgar or wherever yeah, they were new going asgard. to asgard oh my god that was so good like i just love that they finally found a way after what two bad attempts yeah they have finally figured out a foolproof way to use hulk and whether it's the way that they used him in the avengers films or um, ragnarok like they really have a grip on how to use this version of the hulk yeah no i i, I agree i think that um i want more hulk again and it's like i don't need more tony and i don't need more um hawkeye but the way that they've kind of reinvented hulk I want more of him now. And it's just, they've done a really good job with that. And whether we'll get more of him, I don't know, because this is an interesting development for him, really. It's like, is he going to be Professor Hulk now for the rest of the time? Or yeah. is he going to revert back? I don't know, because can he revert back? I don't think he can. I think he's he's this guy now, isn't he? With one arm. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those characters, though, where, once again, he's a good spice. I don't know yes. about watching that character for two and a half hours. They would definitely have to have... No you know, a, a co-headline billing with Thor or somebody to come in and help him out. But he's fucking great if if the Guardians get into a pinch and they need to call up the Hulk. Like, he's a great guy to bring in for 20 minutes and, and, and throw through there. You know what? I think I feel that way about all of the characters now. I think that all of the characters should... They should be team-up movies. And they don't have to be big team-up movies, but they could be small ones. So like Ant-Man and the Wasp was kind of a team-up movie because it was two characters. They need to do things like that more. So, you know, do a Spider-Man and Doctor Strange movie or, you know, just kind of go like that and, you know, just have a New York movie and kind of, you know, do a few things like that. That's what I would like from now on. So, like, uh, because rather than focus on just one character and their personal journey, you can get them bouncing off each other because that's the best thing about the Marvel Universe. Like you were saying with Rocket and and Hulk, like you put Rocket with anybody and it's just... It's just a, a playoff. It's like it's like they're having a, a death match, and I just I think anything like that, like those team ups, are, are the best thing about about MCU for me. And goddamn, does Rocket not just aggravate the piss out of me that Bradley Cooper just falls through life getting a little piece of everything? Like imagine, like last year 
not only was he a part of Star is Born and had the hit song and the movie, but he was also in Infinity War. Like, it's just insane, that guy's level of success. But while we're talking about Rocket, one of the, the moments of the movie that really got me was Rocket and Nebula holding hands. Like, that mm-hmm. That was just one of those moments that y- you just felt. And I think that... I think that there were consequences with this film because the last time we were on a part one of a to be continued. So you're kind of like, well, how does it all come together? But knowing that this is sort of a big moment for Marvel and a lot of things will be different because of real world responsibilities, contracts and negotiations and stuff. It just had a little bit more weight to it. And that's why I didn't really, I didn't really feel anything when I saw Spider-Man disintegrate at the in the snap i didn't really feel anything right. however when i re-watched it last weekend i did feel something about it like the weight of it felt more to me but all of the spider-man scenes in in this movie whether it's you know his photo falling down when tony stark's doing yeah. dishes or him coming back in the embrace or tony stark like guilt like i just felt like spider-man was a real star of this movie and really a star of sort of the emotional core of it and i feel like the future belongs to to that to this spider-man like i feel like that character has a very safe decade of films in them and being a part of other things like he plays so well with others but he stands sturdy on his own like i felt like spider-man was a real mvp of this emotionally yeah you're right but he's the character that they have the least um attached to as well because he uh He's not owned by them. So it's like, you know, his contracts are going to be up in a movie. So, they, and, and if they don't renegotiate the contract, then he might go away. So, but I, and, but I do agree with you. Like the bit when Peter came and, um, and Tony hugged him at the end. Yeah. I was crying. Yeah, I was crying at that moment. Me and too. I just was like, because, you know, even, you know, when Tony came off the ship at the beginning and he said, I couldn't save the kid. And it's just like, fucking hell. Like, it's just, and, and again, he's like the emotional grounding. We are Spider-Man, aren't we? Even though obviously he's super powerful. Like we're him, we're the guys who are like super excited to be there and be a part of it and stuff like that. And that's what, you know, he's that giddy kid who, who, um, who just, who wants to be invited to the party. Yeah. Spider-Man and Ant-Man kind of have that optimism yes. and excitement that we, the audience has. And they're sort of the characters yes. that are like, I'm a part of this, right, guys? Like, I'm one of you. Am I yeah. one of you? Like, they, they don't totally feel accepted, which I think lets them really resonate with us. I also found one of the, the best mo- moments of the movie was I really liked, before passing away, having that time travel moment for Tony Stark to reconnect with Howard Stark and sort of uh, think about that. If you'd lost your dad, getting to talk to your dad man to man. And although he doesn't know you are who you say you are or who you say you're not. Um, I thought, yeah, I yeah. thought that that was, was a really a a, amazing uh, amount of emotional closure for a character that's had a troubled life. Yeah. Like to get that opportunity to kind of see your dad, not as the superhero or this person that you have, you know, these emotional vendettas against, but to see your, your dad as the man that he is and you get to spend a moment with him i thought that was a really special part of the movie yeah no i i agree and i and i found the same thing as well like those that that middle time travel bit had a lot of those moments like the bits with like thor's mum and um the bit with cap and peggy as well it was really nice to kind of like keep bouncing into those moments and they were yeah they really helped it because that's supposed to be a fun moment but it does it keeps it emotionally and it and it gave it weight as well so i uh 
yeah, I really appreciated that as well. You do, um, you're dead right. And it helps that John Slatter is in it as well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's great. And I hope that the future of Iron Man belongs to John Hamm. I think John Hamm would be the absolute best actor to take over that character if if and when it resumes. John Hamm's too old, though, Mark. Like, he, you know, I, I love him to He's about the same bits, age. If he took it over right now, he's probably the same age that Robert was when he took over Iron Man for the first time. No way. I don't believe that. I, John Hamm must be must be 50 now. No way. He's not that old. Okay. Okay. It looks like he would be though. Well, I, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm maybe I'm completely wrong, but I, I think that he's, I think that they need someone a little bit younger than that, but that's just, that's just me. But I, come on, go to your next one. Cause I'm waiting for you to, I'm waiting for you to, to get to my favorite moment. So okay. what, what's your next? Well, okay. Because surely it's going to be one of mine. <laughs> It has to be. Another moment that I found to just be kind of amazing was the death of Black Widow and right. each one of them wanting to to give up. And I thought about it, I'm like, man, if Sean and I were here on the cliff, would I let would I let Sean live because he has a kid? And the answer was <laughs> absolutely not. I'd throw you off that cliff. I'd have that soul stone in about thirty seconds. Yeah, especially if my internet connection was as bad as it is today as well. <laughs> I can see it. You're you're already you're looking at the edge of the cliff now thinking, This guy's going off there, no doubt about it. <laughs> they did an amazing moment, though, when Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow is hanging off that cliff and literally like hanging by a thread right before she lets go. It's the most beautiful she's ever looked like to give you that last glimpse. They really made her just glow and like beauty and innocence. And it was like, my God, what what a what a hard thing, a hard person to let go of. And, and I thought that that, you know, you know, the consequences there, you know, the tussles going back and forth. But for something that was fairly predictable, they did a good job of taking you on an emotional ride. I'm not sure I liked that. I think that was my least favorite part of the movie. I think I would have liked her to have been there at the end because I think that she deserved that. I think that it kind of felt like a strange way out. I think yeah. that also the, um, the... I know that them two have a thing for each other. I know that they are both really close to each other, but I, I just think that it felt a little bit cheap in that way. But I also think that they... Um, I think that even though that bit was emotional it felt quite comedic where they were like both shooting each other and both they were both like trying to stop each other it felt like it it lost a little bit of its um it's kind of like um sadness to it it just felt a little bit kind of like a a little bit like like Mark's brothers ish I just I don't know I just wasn't a big fan of it I just think that they shouldn't be um killing their main female lead like um halfway through the movie like I wanted her to be there at the end yeah and if she'd have died at the end then that's fine and obviously I get why they did it because they needed to clear space for Tony to die and they couldn't have her die and then Tony die almost straight afterwards because that wouldn't have worked so I do understand why they did what they did but it just it felt a little bit weird for me, but when they were all stood around and they all came back and Scarlett wasn't there, that worked. That really did work, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, they needed, there needs to be some consequences. Like, you can't go through all these epic battles and not lose a couple of soldiers. That's just completely ir um, unrealistic, but uh, I don't know. I, I enjoy that thing about Marvel that they do inject a little bit of humor and fun in it right before they drop the hammer, you know, and that was kind of one of my complaints about Black Panthers that just didn't have as many of those like lighthearted moments and it was too serious yeah. all the time. And I felt like this movie did the perfect job of what they do of just 
keeping you going through a constant blender of all these different human emotions. And one of the, the moments where my screening where everybody cheered there were two big ones where everybody was like yeah in that big epic battle when captain marvel comes back and just flies through the middle of sanctuary too just the whole audience just erupted you know and and not too long after that there's the marvel me too combat charge and i just thought that those are really great parts of what they're doing you know like the woman who was next to me, she was there, it looked like with her son, a young son. And she was just, you know, middle-aged mom. And she was just, she just had this extra like, yeah, in her voice when the women would kick ass. And that, that made me excited for her. And then on the flip side, the family that was next to me, dad looked like a construction worker. Like he had on work boots. <laughs> they brought their own snacks in. They were eating out of plastic bags. Dad was drinking coffee out of like his metal to go cup, like a family on a budget, right? Going out to see the early screening with their son, their two boys. And when black widow, I'm sorry, when uh, black Panther came on to the screen, you know, through the, through the orange portal, yeah, yeah. he just looked over his son and goes, yeah, my favorite. And I just thought it was cool. You know what I mean? Like they're just doing such a good job of like everybody's complaining Hollywood's this way. Hollywood's this way. This is a franchise that is proactively going out of their way to mix it all up and set a good example for, for the youth. And I just, I thought that those were two like really, really great moments of putting in the, what we need for this time, but not bashing you over the head with it. So I'll probably catch a bit of shit for this. And I'm sorry to anybody who takes this the wrong way or maybe the right way. But, um, you know, as a 36-year-old man from Bolton, um, my eyes nearly rolled out of the back of my head when I saw all of the women um, kind of lining up together and, and fighting. I just, it's, it felt a little bit forced to me. I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm all for that and I have no problem with it. But it just, like the bit in Infinity War when um, Scarlet Witch and... Um, Okoye and um, and Black Widow were fighting yeah. together against Proxima Midnight. I, I could see that because it was small, but this one felt a little bit too big, and it just felt like a little bit too much of a um, of a fan service kind of coincidence for me to enjoy it too much. I, I don't know about you. I mean, you obviously enjoyed it, so that's that's fine. But it just for me, it wasn't quite the same. I look at it this way: I enjoyed it. I mean, it, on one hand, it's them patting themselves on the back of like, hey, hey, we've yes. done a good job for female diversity. But on another hand, it was yeah. like, it was literally just 15 seconds, 30 seconds at the most. And I thought about being an eight-year-old girl in that theater and being like, fuck yeah, those are my heroes. And so to me, it's like, you know, it wasn't preachy. It didn't take a 30-minute setup. We didn't have to go to a whole thing where like, all the men are gone and only the women can save the movie. Like, it was just a very yeah. nice nod to where the future's going. And, and these films we enjoy them as adults but they really kind of do belong to the children because it's their nostalgia that they're shaping and and they will grow up thinking about these characters so i enjoyed it i thought it was tastefully done but i could see if it made somebody's eyes roll i wouldn't judge them for that because it was gratuitous so this is what i think um so i think they should um make a movie with all female avengers like that's putting your money where your mouth is a little bit you know what i mean like this was um, it was a good little moment and that's great and it's nice that they kind of showed that little nod but actually you know put it on the line and make a movie of it that's where I think that um, 
would be a better thing for them to do. And I would absolutely, I'd be there opening night and I'd be totally up for it because it won't feel like pandering them because they'll feel like a team, whereas they weren't a team. They were just a bunch of people who've never met each other and some of them were baddies, some of them, and stuff like that. And it was cool, but it just it just felt a bit too fan servicey for me. But yeah, make a movie of it. I, I would be up for it. It would make so much money. Go for it. If they make a movie of it, I would just ask this. Make a movie of it that keeps the same template as all the other Marvel movies. Keep it fun. Keep it lighthearted. Keep it serious. Keep it emotional. Don't do the Black Panther thing where it's like, oh, because it's the women movie, it has to be serious now. Like, Just keep it in the template so that it truly is like racial and and gender neutral, not like, oh, we have a special group of people. We have to abide by a separate set of rules. Um, Earlier, you were talking about how you hope that moving forward they keep putting characters together yes and i think that the way that we see all of these characters come together in this film it's just like it's such a great gimmick and i hope that it does go that way because when i look at a movie like captain marvel captain marvel was really improved by learning even more uh about nick fury and sort of his backstory and when nick fury really only got a little shout out on the the porch. It made me wish that there was more of him in this movie because that last journey with him made me really feel attached to that character even more. Okay. A couple more of these moments that I wrote down. Uh, and then my, my feelings on the ending captain America lifting Thor's hammer. That was the, the entire, th- the theater went nuts. Like yeah. everybody went nuts for that. And the, the theater also went nuts for Stan Lee's final cameo. And um, I hope that they still find a way to use existing footage or photos of Stan Lee to keep him popping up in all of these movies in the future. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I don't care about that as much and, and it is a fun little nod and I don't mind it so much, but the cap thing, oh my, like that was that was that was so many years in the making and it built up yeah. so great and it just the the look of pride on thor's eyes when he said i knew it was just beautiful it was genuinely like a just a real like fuck you moment i just i just cannot believe how much weight that had and i i, I don't cry at um glorious moments you know when he says yeah. avengers assemble that doesn't make me cry i cry at sad things but like, yeah. you know, that's the difference between Infinity War and and this as well. Like all of the high points in Infinity War are sad moments. They're like, um, they're really like kind of really low moments, actually. So it's like it's the snap or it's Peter going and stuff like that. Whereas all of the, the, the big moments in this movie are all like huge, amazing kind of like, yes, moments. And I just, yeah. that that one was the ultimate one. Like I just, we've been building to it for so long and he is worthy. He definitely is. And it just, it, it led to this beautiful ending for him. And I just, oh God. Yeah. Real, real dreamy sequence. Loved it. The best thing I've seen in the MCU. You could just feel the energy from it, you know, and that's why these movies are so good to go see as close as you can to opening night because people are riding this emotional wave together. All right. So sort of some of my thoughts about the ending of the movie, and and I thought that the ending of it was pretty pretty poetic and pretty good for, once again, you know, a non-art house movie, a, a big popcorn movie. I, I kind of thought about it on the way home. And I'm like, first off, we're working with two different timelines, kind of. And if I was Thanos, it worked out better for Thanos this way. Like, he still yeah. got his piece. Like, he still got to take his seat 
he still got to see a world of of people going away of half of everything sort of leaving but in the other timeline he knows he's going to get beheaded so this thanos sort of sitting on a rock and looking at it all like this is a more peaceful death than the other death that he got so each movie kinds of ends yeah. with Thanos finding his peace within the universe. And I thought that that was kind of a beautiful moment that maybe a horrendous character doesn't deserve, but beautiful nonetheless. Like I really thought that that was a great moment in the movie. Yeah, I, I think that they did a good job with Thanos in this, considering that he wasn't really in the movie that much. I think that they really, um, they treated his character very well. And they made, it, you know, they could have very easily, you know, you see it so many times in so many different movies where they're like, the character is like, stupidly overpowered right. and then when it comes to the end they're not as powerful and it's a lot easier they, you know you can kill them like knife through butter whereas this he was still more powerful than everybody at the end and, yeah. it, like, and it took so much to take him down and I just think that yeah they did a really good job of him and yeah he, he still wins he still wins so yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really make that much of a difference as well and he was more dangerous in this movie than even though he was in that movie because you know ultimately he he didn't have all of this kind of like all all of the bad stuff that had happened. He was like at his most powerful and he had the prize right in front of him that he could just go straight for. It was, it was great. Really good. Thanos is a great villain. I mean, he's not Darth Vader great, but he's a, he's a big win on the bad side of the Marvel universe, yeah. like a really big win. Okay. The big thing is the death of Tony Stark. And it's kind of mm -hmm. wild because Tony Stark just kind of being one of those people that seems born lucky he didn't make out so bad in the snap. Like he had his wife, he was able to move forward and have a kid. It seemed like he had found peace. So, I mean, he really had the most to lose in the, yeah. in, in this movie. And at the end, when he sort of died, his death, of course, it got to me and, you know, seeing him talk to Pepper, it's, you know, that, that will of make course. you think about your own relationship. And then, you know, Spider-Man sort of the, the son that he never had and, that that's all emotional, but from a creator, from a creator that has spent the last five years of my life hitting upload, you know, over 200 times a year. Yeah. John Favreau at the funeral really, really choked me up because I'm looking at John Favreau, not as Buddy Hogan, like the worst name ever, but I'm looking Happy. at him <laughs> as the guy that had the vision to start all of this. And I know that he gave up the directing role a while back, but he's been a producer on all of these. And just like, I just was imagined being Favaro and driving home from the, the, uh, the premiere of this movie and just thinking about, man, look what we gave the world for the last 10 years, you know, like, and I was really looking at him from a, a personal achievement, like going outside of the, the Marvel universe and thinking about it as an artist and thinking about like all these kids that have grown up on these movies and all these adults that have had a, a three hours, a couple times a year to get away from their lives and this journey that we've sent the whole world on. Like there was a real emotional part that got to me looking at him knowing that he was a steady hand in the behind the scenes and the production of all of this happening and being possible 
Yeah, you're right about that. Like, we're watching The Sopranos at the moment. And, you know, in the second season, John Favreau turns up and he, uh, Christopher doesn't really respect him. Christopher's like kind of giving him shit and, and kind of calling him out for being a bit of a, for, for being a bit of a loser and um, for not liking swingers and stuff like that. And that's the John Favreau that you think you know. But actually, he's this super powerful guy who just gets things done. You know, yeah. he's going to be like, he's responsible for this MCU, really. And then yeah. if you think that he's making fucking Lion King this year. This this Lion King movie is going to make so much fucking money. And he's just like, yeah, he's, he's made out very well, considering he's just a, a bit of a joke in the MCU. And, you know, he just talks about cheeseburgers. <laughs> he, he, and that was such a beautiful moment, considering it was about cheeseburgers. Right. I loved it. I love cheeseburgers. But the, oh. it really kind of, <laughs> to me, as, as, you know, somebody who has a sort of a, a similar job, and you know the weight of, like, sending people out into the world with this sort of content that they enjoy and people that they come to think of friends or heroes. Like, I don't know. It really, really hit me very hard of this man's personal achievement. And it also made me think about, you know, how Disney letting their sort of their live action TV work start off with him doing the Mandarin. Is that how, did I pronounce that right? The the Mandarin? Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Uh, Mandalorian. So once again, he's kind of in that infancy stage of, Oh, don't worry. I got this. I know how to build these type of things and build them to last. So yeah. I, I, I thought that that was a really beautiful way to end it. The captain America sneaking through the timeline and being an old guy. It didn't really as get me as much at some moment. It's like, okay guys, you, you've pulled on my heartstrings enough. Like I'm only giving out so many tears. I'm kind of emotionally done here. I, I could have gone without that. I could have ended at the start funeral. That would have been enough for me. I gave more tears during that moment. I really did. That got um, you? Yeah, it did. Yeah. I think, I, again, I, I think that that relationship between him and Peggy is a beautiful one. And it, it did. It really hit me. I I, I loved it. Um, it does lead to a weird one where in Civil War, where he, he basically makes out with his great grandniece, is it? It's so hot. Yeah, she is. But still, it's, it's, is that, are you into that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually working on a script called Quantum Finger Bang, where I go through time and finger every brickie. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Male and female. Um Yeah, of I mean, course. That's well, you'll like this one then. 2020, you know, I mean you gotta be a little bit more gender neutral. No, you're totally right. Well, um you'll like this one then, because this is the one that I was thinking about. Um I would really, really be interested in seeing the scene where Cap goes back in time and puts the ether back into Jane Foster. <laughs> I would, I would pay to see that. That's on, that's on, on the porn. That one. I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting so aroused thinking about it. <laughs> okay, so as we wrap up, looking back on Endgame and all the fun that we had, Sean, what's my homework? What do I need to watch before I go see Spider-Man: Far From Home? I don't know. I don't know. How are they going to do this movie? It makes no sense. It has to be a prequel, right? No, it's not. It takes. It starts moment, minutes after uh, Endgame. You know what this I've, for a fact. What I've seen online. It's what I've seen on YouTube videos. I don't see how that's possible because, like, so are, what, are we living in a world where everybody's come back? Now, surely this world is going to be shit for a while. It's going to be like a leftovers world where, you know. Well, what they're, people are, uh, this could all be f- false, but. Okay. People are predicting that this field trip is sort of, hey, everybody else you went to high school with, they're five years older. 
they've already graduated. They're already like out into the world. This is sort of like a trip to sort of bond these people and bring them back together. So it, from what I've been able to see, it takes place moments after this. Right. Okay. Well, that, listen, that, that makes no sense to me. I, I genuinely, I, <laughs> I don't see it. I really don't. I'm just like, I think that is a world-breaking movie that they're going to make if they make that mistake. I think that, the, you, you know, I, I think if you're talking about the logistics of it, that's fine. They can explain all of that away. Like, oh yeah, you know, well, they all got snapped or, you know, it, it's in the future, but it's not a school trip, even though it is going to be a school trip. You know that it is. I, for one, this world is fucked. Nobody's going on a trip. Nobody's going on a, a jaunty trip around Europe and, and going on these fun little side quests after, what, after what's happened. They got snapped for five years. So um, there's going to be trauma attached to that. Like, the can't, the, you yeah. know, Peter, um, his father figure has just died. If it's set moments afterwards, he's just died. Happy Hogan, his boss, his best friend of the last 10, probably 20 years. Well, they were there in the millennium. So he's probably his best friend of the last 20, 30 years has just died. Yeah, of course I want to shag Aunt May. I want to have sex with her. I'm not going to do it as soon as this happens. So I'm feeling like really sad and then, <laughs> you, you know, have a, like a sympathy bone. These things break the universe for me. It doesn't work. Like, no, it, it, would, it would have to be, it would basically be the saddest movie ever. And that trailer makes it out to be this kind of happy, jaunty, happy-go-lucky movie. And I think that it has to be set a few months before. It has to be. It, it can't. Because everyone's going to be in a good mood and they're all the same age. Who didn't get snapped? Are we saying that Ned got snapped as well? Are we saying that, um, you know, the um, all of the kids got snapped so they're all the same age? Are we saying that some of them are older now, some of them are younger? Because that's a weird dynamic that they're going to have because Peter's going to be 18 and then Ned is going to be 23. And that's going to make things harder. And again, that's going to cause... That's going to have to be addressed in the movie. I... I I can't, I can't get my head around it, and I will, I will hate that movie for it. Sorry, this well, is this is me. I just that's what I heard. It's my main issue. That's what I heard. It's my main issue with the homework though for that Spider Man because if I'm doing the math, we see him in his premiere, yeah, and then he pops up in Civil War. He's a bit character in Civil War, and he's a bit character in Infinity War, and yeah. then he's in Endgame. But I don't really. Like, do you, I don't know that you need to see all four of those movies before you go see Far From Home. I feel like you could maybe just watch Homecoming. the first one, yeah, Homecoming, and then jump into this movie, right? Because all this is still kind of flowing around in our head. Yeah, well, yeah, if you're saying that it's set straight after Endgame, then there's no real need to watch Endgame. You know, you know what happens. So it's, yeah, maybe just, I'd, I'd say you don't really need to watch anything. So, you know, if you're, if you want to watch anything, watch Homecoming. Have you seen Homecoming since um, since we last watched it? We saw that at Disney Homecoming, didn't we? Yeah, and I missed that movie theater not being there. It was so nice to see movies at I Disneyland know. and then go rip the park. I know, man. I know. So, um, yeah, I say you don't really need to see anything. But um, what? So what? So my homework, if I were you, if it's going to be set after the events of um, in Endgame, is watch the leftovers. <laughs> Watch the leftovers and see how actually they should do it compared to how they're actually going to do it. I, I, it's, it's got to be a prequel. It has to be. And then, if my homework's to watch my boyfriend Justin Trudeau, then yeah, sign me up. I'll yeah. do that. I love that guy. He's so fucking. I'm cool. I'm the same as well. He's so fucking cool. <laughs> no, I. I'd watch that guy paint a house. I know he turns up on Casey Neistat's videos and he's like this, like kind of cool pimp walking around New York. It's like fucking hell, what a guy. What a fuck guy. Um, yeah, I. I just, I don't know. I've said enough about it and it's total, and, and it's absolutely fine. I just, I think that this movie could easily just slot in before 
um, those two movies, you know, slotting at the same time as uh, Black Panther. And, you know, when we do a big rewatch in a couple of years, it's like, oh yeah, Far From Home, even though it came out afterwards, it was set before. I just... I don't know. Because also, it, it's not going to start anything new. So there's no need for it to be at the end. It's not going to close a chapter, no. this movie. It's going to just be the next movie in that chapter. Have it be addressed afterwards. It just, I don't know, I, I, it feels too messy for me to be like that. And Spider-Man isn't this big, traumatic um, thing. Whenever they've gone for kind of big and deep and traumatic, it hasn't worked with Spider-Man. It needs to be light and breezy. He, he can be traumatic in other people's movies, not in a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, no, he works no way. he works better light and breezy and sort of comedic with smaller stakes, you know what I mean? Like saving yeah. the girl, not maybe saving the whole universe or saving the yes, city but exactly. not saving the world. Like, you know, it kind of works better on a smaller scale. All right, so yeah. my final question for you is this. Do you think that the time travel idea that they gave up, do you think that this time travel idea works well? Do you think it was a bit of a cheat? Do you think that it creates just infinite loopholes for everything to just unravel any way they want to, any way the wind blows in the future? Like, is this sort of a dangerous idea to introduce? Like, I love The Sopranos more than anybody. But the, yeah. the reason why The Sopranos, to me, isn't the greatest TV show of all time, dream sequences. I think when you introduce yeah. a dream sequence into a show, you're showing me the character's subconscious. You're showing me the character in an alternate reality. Therefore, I have to question every bit of what I'm seeing. So... This is a great movie, but my main bone of contention would be I don't like time travel. I think that it's a gimmick. I think it's a cheap way out. What do you think? Um, I do agree. It, it hurts my head thinking about time travel. I'm not clever enough to properly understand it. And there's a lot of hand waving. Oh, you don't need to understand this. It's just our way of doing this. It's supposed to be a bit of fun. So I do understand it to a certain extent. But um, I think it's all of the things. I think that it is a bit of fun. I think that it is a cheap gimmick. I think that it's messy. Um, I think they, they could tie themselves up in knots. They just need to... They don't, I think they might need to, to be a one and done thing, you know, address it in the Loki TV show, you know, address it in some other things, but don't have it as your core premise. Um, you know, it potentially could open up a multiverse, yeah. um, which might be a good thing because obviously we're going to have to be introduced to the X-Men and the Fantastic Four at some point. And maybe this time travel would shoot off and say, well, this happened. So then that caused this and these two timelines to merge because obviously the X-Men aren't going to just pop up in a world where the Avengers already live, they have to have been going for years and years. So I just, I, th I think that in heavy, in heavy hands, it could be, it could be hard work. Whereas this was light and breezy and it, you're not supposed to think about it too much. So hopefully it will stay that way because as soon as it gets too complicated, and as soon as it starts to become a mess, that's when people start checking out. That's when you don't get the highest grossing movie of all time. Okay. I want to read you a list of movies. Yeah. Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, and Spider-Man Far From Home. Phase 3. Has Phase 3 just been the most powerful and epic phase in the Marvel Universe and can phase four even come close to what we've been spoiled with over the last three years? So I think that phase two was better. 
phase two. I just yeah, because it had Guardians in there, and it had um, and it also had like Ant Man, and it also had um, Winter Soldier, and they were all. Let me give, they let really, me give that list to the audience. It's not nearly as long either. Uh, yes, it's not. Phase two is Iron Man three, Thor Dark yeah, World. Loved it. Didn't like it. That's true. Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers: Age of Ultron, and Ant Man. I think. Okay. Wait. Yeah, I'm wrong. Then I'm wrong. That Sorry. phase three run is unprecedented. Yeah, you're right. I, 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 for some reason, I thought that phase two was 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 kind of shorter and had different movies in there. So don't <laughs> listen to me. I'm full of shit. So my phase two is all of the best movies. Perfect. Um, but their phase two isn't that. It's a real mixed bag. Um, yeah, phase three is unbelievable. I mean, the fact that they kept it rolling, um, and you know, phase phase two has like five movies in, and this has ten movies in there. Is it, it tells you everything that you need to know. I um, yeah, it's it's never going to get better and bigger, and they shouldn't try. Try to make it bigger. No, and it looks like when, here's what we have up for phase four. It looks like purposely yeah. they know we can't make another Abbey Road. We we can't can't top ourselves. So let's just kind of give people a little something different. And coming up in phase four, which will be I guess the next two or three years of our life, Black Widow, The Eternals, yep. Doctor Strange yep. two, Black Panther two, Shang Chai, and yep. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume three. Yeah. No, that seems that seems pretty good. Captain Marvel too, surely? No, they don't have it listed yet. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah. See, these seem like smaller movies, don't yeah. they? I, I imagine um, some of those things might change around, and some things might get um, announced. Maybe at D twenty three. Yeah, I'd be shocked if we had this conversation in, in four years, and this was all the movies that came out, and exactly in this order. But yeah, for what we that, know, it's I a mean, misstep. Black Widow, I. I, I love that character. I mean, that seems like a cool way to bring in some of the, the old guard. I, I, I don't know how that will work out, but I'll, I'll obviously I'll go see all of these. But that one, I'm kind of, of yeah. The Eternals, I don't know what that is. I'm excited to meet some new people. Doctor Strange Dogs. 2. Doctor Strange has really grown on me through the Infinity War Endgame um, series. Black Panther 2. I'll be very excited to see how that plays out a second time around. Does it get a little bit more yeah, lighthearted and a little bit more core Marvel, or do these always stay very serious? Shang Chai, mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite restaurants in, in Chicago. <laughs> I can't wait to see them make a movie about it. I mean, they're, it's probably going to be them fighting General <laughs> Sal. And General Sal has been fucking in control for a long time, but we'll see if they okay, can. Okay, good work. Can they get the Infinity Soy Sauce? I know this last movie was so long, I feel like I got kidney stones. And then Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> Volume 3, very excited about that. That's the most excitement on that list. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think, yeah, I think that's going to change around. I just, I would like them to take their time a little bit more now. We don't, you know, if they have another big bad soon, you know, people are like, who's going to be next? Is it going to be Galactus? Is it going to be Adam Warlock? Like, they need to take their time because if they don't, it will make the ending of this movie seem cheap. Yes. Is the problem. I agree. Because Tony dies for nothing and Cap leaves for nothing and stuff like that. So I'm, uh, yeah, hopefully those movies don't say billion dollars to me. Apart from Black Panther, none of those movies say we're going to make a B. Like, so I think that they, you know, they, they're going to maybe, uh, yeah, I think I think they need to do something else um, other than that. And but you know, Phase Four isn't just going to be six movies; it's going to be ten movies. So I think that they're go. smart and they're letting things breathe, and they know that there's fatigue. And if every year there's a big Avengers movie, then you just get more and more bummed out about it. So I say, Agreed. I say we'll see lots of side cameos, but this epic 
voyage we've been on over the last 12 months, we probably won't see something like that until 2024 or maybe no. something like that might actually happen. Yeah, maybe 2024, 2025. And it would actually, in the real world time, would be right after the time because, you know, we went to 2023 to see this epic battle and God, it was an epic battle. But as we conclude today's episode, um, when they first started doing the Back to the Future gimmick and they gave you that New York City shot of the core Avengers, that first time we ever saw them assemble, you know, when they're in the yeah. streets of Manhattan. The circle. And the camera does that spin around. That that really, once again, like the John Favreau moment, for me, that was like, man, it's been so fucking fun to be on this journey. And um, yeah. I think that when you look at other superhero franchises that have tried to do what they've done with the X-Men or what DC's tried to do or Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, it's like, this really is an amazing template. And um, I know that they're putting the Star Wars universe on hold for a while. And I just think the Star Wars people need to go across the hallway and talk to the Marvel people and be like, how did you do it? How, yeah. how can we do it? How can we save ourselves? Because we're not getting anywhere fast right now. And um, I, I just that little moment was really, really precious because it just really made you realize how far we've seen all of this go. Sean, thank you so yeah. much for, for cramming this in over the weekend and recording no with me. I always have, like, as soon as I see these, I can't talk to you fast enough. I know, yeah, I'm the same as well because I, I saw it like two days before you, so I've just been waiting for you to see it. I'm like, come on, come on, because Ruth swore me to secrecy as well because she didn't see it for four days. So I'm like, come on, Mark, come on, let's do this. So yeah, I appreciate it. It's nice to actually be able to talk about it. Absolutely. All right. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this wrap-up. I hope you enjoyed the film, and maybe you found us on this Monday or maybe you went back to this months later. Either way, I'm just glad that you hang out with us. Sean, I love you, 3,000. <laughs> I love you between 600 and 900. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Vorsprung durch Technik.